This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov slash MCTV. comes to you while we're going through it's fine or I'll, I'll leave some time at the end to, to talk okay. and answer any questions if you have any. Okay, um, you're a past master gardener too, correct? Past, yes, I was yes. an advanced master gardener. We were gardener. both master gardeners. Did we graduate from the same class? I don't think you so. Were year I think I was the year yes. earlier, yeah. And so if you have any questions on any other gardening topic, we can try to answer that too. And so mm -hmm. here's Peggy. So, yep, I'm Peggy Kernstock, and like Marcia said, I'm the executive director at Dahlia Hill, and um, I'm also in one of the local garden clubs, so if you have any interest in garden clubs, I can answer a little bit. So, um, I'm going to be talking about primarily dahlias, but tender perennials in general. And like Marcia said, I've been working at Dahlia Hill for almost 20 years now, so I know a little bit mostly about dahlias, but I'll bring in a few things about some other tender perennials that I grow or that I have grown in the past too. And a little background on Dahlia Hill. Just a really, really brief history of Dahlia Hill. Um, Dahlia Hill started in 1992 because of Charles Breed. He was a local um, artist and a teacher and he retired in 1989 and um, he had been growing dahlias himself for almost 30 years. and. Um, in 1992, he had almost 
2,000 tubers that he was storing and growing himself on his own property, and he kind of run out of room to put them. Um, this actually is one of the very first dahlias that he ever planted. It was um, given to him by, or given to his wife by one of his daughters and for Mother's Day, and then he kind of fell in love with them and started growing them himself. And uh, in 1992, he had run out of room to plant them at his own house, so he, had, he owned the property that's now at the top of Dahlia Hill on Main Street, and he asked Bill Fisher, who owned the property that's at the corner there, if he could grow dahlias on that property, because there wasn't anything else being done with it. Bill Fisher said yes, and so that's how kind of the whole thing started. Um, this is just a little bit, that's his what was his studio at the top, it's now our offices, and then there is a museum of his artwork there, and that's open during the summer, so. Um, and we, uh, we plant almost 3,000 dahlias at Dahlia Hill every year. Um, so you can see it's one of those plants, and this happens a lot, with, especially with the tender perennials. Um, it's one of those things that you can kind of get obsessed about. <laughs> and, uh, and this is probably the reason why Charles became obsessed. There, um, dahlias in particular come in so many different colors and sizes and shapes, um, uh, different petal configurations. Um, it really, and plus it's you know a, a fall flower when not too many other things are blooming. So um, he just you know he kind of fell in love with them, became obsessed with them, and kind of got a little out of hand. And so why do we bother with tender perennials? Um, they are, I mean. You can grow a perennial and have it come up year after year, and it doesn't take all that much maintenance. Um, tender perennials take a little bit more effort year, year by year, but um, they do add an exotic element to the garden. Um, a lot of tender perennials, dahlias, come from um, places like Africa, South America. Um, they have a look to them that you can't really get in perennials around here. Um, they extend the season, especially dahlias don't start blooming until around here until usually July or August. And then most tender perennials will bloom right until we get a frost, so right into the end of the, the fall season. Um, they can save you money because they may cost a bit to begin with, but you can, most of them you can save from year to year and they do reproduce, so you get more every year. And um, they do make great cut flowers, most of them. They're again, dahlias especially, um, gladiolas, um, elstromeria, those are all great cut flowers and they're all tender perennials. Um, and you know, because they do propagate and do create more every year, you can share them with your friends. It's an easy way to, to um, you know, get more every year. So I'll be talking mostly about dahlias, and they're again, they're considered the drama queen of the garden. I mean, they come in every size from little bitty one-inch pom-pom types to the huge you know, 12 to 14-inch um, dinner plate ones. They come in a wide range of colors. Um, they have all these different petal forms. There actually are 21 different petal forms, and there are people that are cultivating them and trying to get new petal forms every year. Um, so it's, you know, you can get just about anything to fit into your garden. Um, they come in a lot of color combinations, you know, the bright, what they call the flame colors. There are a lot of pastels, pinks, purples, just about anything you can imagine. Um, they do make good cup flowers. Um, this is a display that we had at a, some event at Dahlia Hill. Um, dahlias in particular and like gladiolas can last easily a week or so if you take care of them after they've been cut. So it's a nice cut flower to have. They do work well in pots. Um, these are a couple of potted um, pots that I did a few years ago. Both have dahlias, coleus, um, potato vine, um, sweet potato. This, these particular pots were in, you know, dahlias really do best in full sun, but these particular pots were actually in partial sun and they still did pretty well. You don't get quite as many flowers, but they still produce pretty well. And just a few other tender perennials that 
have similar growing and storage um, methods as dahlias. Cannas and calla lilies can add a really um, tropical look to your garden. Um, the elephant ear and caladiums um, have really gorgeous foliage, and both of those do well in a shadier area. So that's another tender perennial that does that can really expand what you can do in your garden. Um, the gladiolus and the El Elstromeria are um, really good cut flowers. Um, I mean, of course, gladiolus; those are the ones that you see on every <laughs> every uh, stand next to the road during the summer, even around here. Um, the Zephyranthes, I always pronounce that incorrectly, um, and Oxalis are really good for pots. The Zephyranthes are the little pink ones. They're also called parlor lilies or fairy lilies, and um, they bloom generally starting around July or August, um, but they're a really nice. You just keep them in the pots. They like to be pot-bound, and you, know, you really don't even have to dig them up. You can just leave them in the pots year to year, bring them inside, then in the spring they'll come up again. The oxalis, um, which some people, sometimes you'll see it called shamrock, but it really isn't a shamrock, it's, it's an oxalis. Um, they are really great in pots, and there again, you can just bring them in indoors during the winter and then outside during the summer. And then, of course, there's the four o'clocks, which actually a lot of people will grow those from seed, but they actually do produce tubers that you can dig up and store from year to year, and the tubers just keep getting bigger every year. So um, they add a really a lot of color. And the tuberous begonias are also something that you know, really adds color to the um, garden. So what is a tender perennial? Keep talking about that, but what is it? It's a plant that actually is perennial or hardy in its native environment, which in a lot of cases is, you know, like I said, dahlias come from South America. Um, a lot of the others come from Africa or South China, much more um, closer to the, e uh, the equator than we are. Um, they're usually treated as an annual in our area or any place where it freezes. Um, there again, they're usually from tropical places, you know, near the equator, some place where it's much warmer than it is around here. They won't survive, usually zone eight or higher, depends on the variety, but um, dahlias in particular, if, if they freeze, if the roots freeze, they will dry, they'll just rot and they won't come up the next year. So um, there are two different ways of preparing um, to store them over the winter. And I'm gonna start with storing them over the winter and then finish up with planting and, and caring for them over the summer. There are two different methods um, that uh, depends on what you're, what you're planting. Um, some things need to be dug up before a frost. If, they, if the leaves get frosted, it'll kill off the whole plant. Some, you actually, it's, it's actually better to leave them until after they've had a hard frost because then that lets the, uh, the tubers or the bulbs harden off a bit. So the ones that you really need to dig up before they get a frost are the Alstromeria, um, the Caladium, the uh, calla lilies, the elephant ears, oxalis, uh, the zephyranthes, um, like I said, the, uh, the fairy lilies. The ones that really should be left a little bit longer um, after they get a hard frost are the canna lilies, the dahlias, gladiolas, um, and the four o'clocks. Those should all be actually left and dug up. In fact, a lot of um, Growers say that with dahlias, you're almost better off leaving them in as long as you can in the ground, because there again, the, um, the more cold that the tubers actually get, the, uh, the, hard, the better they store. So I've known people who wait until you, you almost have to dig through a crust of ice. <laughs> you know, so they aren't, you know, it isn't like you have to get out there and get those up, dug up right away. Um, what you do when you're um, <clears throat> preparing them for, or digging them up, um, we cut off the stalks. We usually wait until about a week or two after we've had a hard frost. And you know, hard frost will, it literally looks like someone took a blowtorch or something to the, the leaves. I mean, it just kind of blackens everything. Uh, we cut the stalks off about two weeks after we've gotten a hard frost. And then we carefully 
dig up the root system and uh, clean it off. We, we wash them off out on the, in the garden. And uh, most, most things, if you just let them dry for a couple of days, just that they aren't really damp when you take them in. Um, this is an example of how we dig up at the hill. And there again, it's been a couple of weeks after hard frost, and you can see how big some of these clumps are. They can get quite heavy, so we often will use two people to dig them up, one on each side and kind of loosen it up, and then you pull it up and really carefully brush off the dirt, and then we will wash them off right out there. And, uh, Is it important to, to wash them off? And not, not really. Um, we do because we want to make sure that we, there aren't any like um, dangerous insects or parasites or anything still on them um, because we'll, we'll dig them up and we actually have them in a kind of a storage room for a couple of weeks while we're dividing them. Um, but if you're just doing it at home, you can really just kind of brush it off and you know, make sure that they aren't too wet and put them away like that. You don't have to wash them off really, really thoroughly. In fact, I'll be talking about this later, there actually is a method of storage where you just dig them up, leave the dirt on it, and put it in a pot, and then store that. <laughs> so it's not you know, that important. Um, here's examples of a few of the different types of tender perennials. You know, the gladiolus tends to have bulbs, and you know, those little bitty bulblets on the side there are the new ones. Um, like, like I said, the uh, four o'clocks produce these really odd-looking black tubers. <laughs> but they, act, and instead of producing more tubers um, per, on each one, they just keep getting bigger every year. It's really a different way of doing it. And then the calicosia, the elephant ear, you know, this is an example. Um, you know, they just grow a new one on top of the old one. You probably isn't a bad idea. It depends on what it looks like. If it's um, still pretty firm and stuff, you probably wouldn't have to. If it's starting to get kind of mushy and, and whatnot, yeah, I would probably cut it off. And this is an example of a dahlia tuber clump. This was one that was just dug up. Here's an, uh, another example. This one, this one's kind of old. You can see it's kind of dried out. It, it actually wasn't planted last year. So this has been out of the ground for two years already. Um, and this is one that's a little fresher. This is what they look like after they've been dug up and washed off. Um, and uh, so, like I said, one reason that tender um, perennials are nice is they can, you know, they reproduce and you get more every year. So with um, dahlias in particular, um, you can divide either in the fall or the spring. It depends on when you have the time we do it in the fall because um, you know, it would be difficult for us to store them all in big clumps over the, whole, over the winter. Um, if you only have a few, you can just put the clump in a bag and you know, store it in the vermiculite and, uh, you know, and then divide in the spring. And that, there are some advantages to that because in the spring, each tuber needs to have one, a bud. You can kind of see this one has this little bud here. Yeah, you can just look at that. That is the new bud. And that's where the new stem is going to come up this year. Where's the eye? That's what they call an eye. That's an eye. Yeah. So we need to. So. It's okay. Um, so, in the spring, the eyes are usually more prominent because they, you know, they once they start warming up and and you, you know get a little bit of light on them, the the buds will start shooting up. So in the spring, it's often easier to see where the buds are going to be. Um, but yeah, like you said, they have to have that new bud or eye right there. And um, you can see on these, we actually mark every single tuber with an indelible pencil or a, a permanent marker. You know, we just use a Sharpie permanent marker and it marks on right on the tuber. And, uh, and that actually you'll still be able to see that after you've planted them and after they've been dug up in the fall, that'll still be on there. And so that's one way to identify them from year to year. Um, yeah, the, um, like I had shown you that 
picture with the bulblets. Some of those, sometimes those really tiny little bulblets, you might have to grow them for a year before they, or two years before they actually start to bloom. So this is an example of us in the workroom at Dahlia Hill dividing the tubers. And um, you were asking earlier about, about dividing them. Um, one thing about dahlias in particular, and this really, really only applies to dahlias. Most other tender perennials are not like this. Um, you have to have this, which is the tuber, attached to the stem where the new bud comes out. So when you divide them, what you do is cut through the, the stem, the old stem from the previous year. And so there you'd have two of them. Um, if, for example, one, these, this has been kind of cleaned off already, but if there's a break in this area, and you still have a tuber, but it's broken at that, what we call the neck, it's never gonna produce a, a, a stem or a, a new, new plant. So you have to make sure that that's intact. Um, and, yep. When you're dividing all these, when you're digging them up and then you're sitting around cleaning them and stuff, how do mm -hmm. you keep all the varieties separate so you don't mix up the... Well, when, when, we're, when we're digging them, we actually put them in, um, in bags like this. Okay. And each bag is marked with that variety. Okay. And then we make sure that those are kept together and until we've actually divided them and marked each tuber. Okay. So it, and <laughs> Marcia will attest to this. <laughs> she was a volunteer. Um, sometimes they get mixed up. <laughs> so every year we have a few of them that, you know, it starts blooming and we go, oh, that is not. That is definitely not bodacious. <laughs> and so, you know, every year there's one or two that got mixed up somehow. So, you know, I can't say it's foolproof, but for the most part, it, we, you know, we've got it down to kind of a science. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, if you're doing it yourself, um, I know a lot of people, what they'll do is like uh, when they're digging them up, they'll actually take a, like a little stake or some kind of a marker and tie it right around the stem so that they can make sure that that's, or do like we do and just put them in a bag that's marked and then keep each one separate. And that's, can't guarantee, but it's pretty good, usually works. So there are two different ways of um, storing, actually a couple, more than two, but two main ways of storing. Um, the one where you keep them someplace where it's dark and fairly high humidity, um, this applies to dahlias and also to canna lilies, caladium, the um, elephant ears, uh, what else? Uh, the tuberous begonia, the, um, the fairy lilies, those all, they need to be kept somewhere that's not too warm, dark, and fairly high humidity. Um, what we do after we've divided them, we put them in just like a plastic bag like this, and then we completely cover the tubers with um, vermiculite. And there are a lot of other things you can use. We used to say peat moss, but you tell me that peat moss isn't a good idea <laughs> or that we might not be able to get peat moss soon. So um, the um, vermiculite works pretty well, a really coarse vermiculite. Also, um, pet bedding is another thing that works pretty well. Um, just, you know, go to the pet shop, get the shavings, um, either cedar or pine shavings, and that works really well as an insulator. So. Peggy, with the new uh, cat litters, like the corn litter or the pine litter, do you think that would work? Because it has like a um, absorbing yeah, I, well, thing. So you'd have to be a little, you'd have to be a little careful. I know some people use like, um, sand and that type of thing. The one thing you have to be careful about is that it isn't absorbing moisture from the tubers because you don't want it to be desiccating the tubers. So there are some things that I'm a little hesitant, like I don't really, you know, I would, I would be a little hesitant to use pure sand because I would think that would, unless you've moistened it somehow. Um, the, kitty, the cat litters, some of them probably would work, some of the ones that aren't really, that don't absorb moisture. Yeah, the corn ones. Yeah, yeah, some of the natural ones might, might work. 
but um, I haven't really tried them, so I can't guarantee. Yeah, a coarse, a coarse sawdust probably wouldn't be a bad idea, and I, I do know people that use sawdust, but um, there again, I'd be a little careful about a really fine sawdust because it might pack a little too close and keep too much moisture right by the tubers. Yeah. Um, and um, we do, you can dip them in fungicides. Some people use um, sulfur. What we use is uh, we actually dip them briefly in a very mild bleach solution. It's like a one cup of bleach to three gallons of water. So it's like about a one to 50. And we'll just dip them in there for a couple of minutes and then let them drip off and dry a little bit before we store them. Um, they need to be stored at between 40 and 55 degrees. If they get below 40 degrees, they can freeze and then they'll rot. Um, if they are kept too warm, um, it, they dr tend to dry out. And if they get, now these, these actually might still grow wouldn't guarantee it. <laughs> I'll, I'll experiment with them this year, but, but um, that's one, one thing that can be a real issue is if, if it's too, too warm, they do tend to dry out and that isn't good for them either. And then, um, like I said, relatively high humidity. What they used to do, you know, everybody's grandma used to store them in their root cellar. Well, nobody has a root cellar anymore, but um, that's the ideal conditions. You know, fairly high humidity, cool, you know, uh, and uh, dark. And then um, it's a good idea if you have quite a few of them. If you only have a couple, it probably isn't going to be an issue. But um, like at Dahlia Hill through the winter, I'll check them every month or so just to make sure that none of them are rotting or drying out or anything like that. And if they are drying out, you can spray a little bit of water in, on the top of the tubers. Just make sure that they aren't, you know, have water sitting on them just to keep the humidity high. And then the other type of storage, some, some things prefer uh, really, really good air circulation and they prefer to be dry rather than damp. And there again, the um, gladiola, uh, the four o'clocks, the polyanthes tuberosas, um, those, what you actually do, instead of putting them in like a paper bag, you're gonna wanna put them in a, or I'm sorry, instead of putting them in a plastic bag, you're gonna wanna keep them in a paper bag or cardboard or something that. Oh, excuse me. I haven't done this in a while either. I'm not used to talking. <laughs> My voice is starting to go out. Yeah, sure. It just occurred to me, I'm thinking of everything that I have in my basement, and I don't take anything out of the soil. I, everything's in pots, and I just haul the pots downstairs, and I just store them down yeah. there. And some of the things I kind of water occasionally through for the dampness, and some of the things I don't. I don't water my four o'clock pot, but I do water my um, colocaceous. And I have, um, the death lily. Oh, cal canna cannas? Callas? Oh, sure. So those are balls too. Yeah, those yeah those can actually be. So those would be a tender. Yeah, those perennial, they are a perennial. In fact, some of them are actually perennial around here. Um, I would. Th yeah, it's you'd have to see it to. It's <laughs> it's pretty distinctive. No, it doesn't look like a. It literally looks more like a jack in the pulpit, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then after the flower is out, then there, a, a big shoot comes up and it creates this umbrella kind of. Yeah, the flower comes up first, yeah. but you have to wait years and years for the bulb yeah. to get big enough to actually put up a flower. Um, but the, the plant itself is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, so yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to think whether that one, that one probably does a little better if it's drier. I don't think yeah, that I would want to, yeah, I don't think you would want to yeah, be, I, yeah. I don't water that, so yeah. that's sitting right next to my four o'clocks mm -hmm. and under a bench and I, yeah. I don't. But I, I have, I have seen some places, some people who um, actually have those outdoors all year and some of those are actually hardy, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it is a gorgeous plant. <laughs> um, okay, and, and there again, with these, rather than, um, 
d dipping them in a, a bleach solution, I would suggest using like uh, uh, the, um, I'm blanking on it now, sulfur. <laughs> dipping them in sulfur before you store them, um, just to, to help. And that really is just, not liquid, no, not liquid, just powdered, yeah, powdered sulfur. Um, and that's just to, um, to help kill off any bacteria or anything that might be on the surface where it's been cut. Um, just it helps to prevent some of the rot that you might get. And there again, it's about the same as the other um, method of storage. You need to keep it between 40 and 50 degrees. You don't want to get it too cold, it'll uh, rot, and too warm, it tends to dry out. And then these, you know, of course, those do need to have good air circulation. They don't ever want to be damp at all. And then, like Marcia was mentioning, this is actually the easiest way to store things. <laughs> if you already have them in a pot, um, you can just leave them in the pot and take them down into a, you know, your cellar or your, your basement, someplace where it's cool and dry and, yeah, fairly dry, and uh, just leave them in that. And, or I know people that actually grow dahlias and they just, they'll dig up the dahlia, put them in big pots, and then just store them in that, that way over the whole winter, bring them out in the spring and divide them in the spring if they need to. Yeah, I always dump my pots in the spring to see what survived yeah. and what didn't, and so that I don't just leave something that's died. And yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, it's a good idea to, to at least dig them, take them out of the pot, and check them and yeah. divide them if you need to in the spring. Um, there again, it needs to be kept at about the same temperature as, as the other two methods, 40 to 60 degrees, and uh, and then in the spring, especially if you've got them in pots, um, what you'll do is you know, replace the soil, divide them at that point if you want to. Um, start increasing the heat and the um, light and also the humidity. Um, like at Dahlia Hill, usually in early April, I'll start turning the lights on in our storage area and I'll start either put a humidifier in there or I'll start spritzing the bags with a little bit of water. And that gets the tubers realizing that, hey, it's spring. <laughs> we should start doing something. And uh, it's then usually within a couple of um, two or three weeks, they'll start. Sh you'll see a lot more of the buds coming out. And then you you, you do have to wait until um, there is until after any frost possible frost dates before you plant outside. Um, with dahlias in particular, and this probably goes for most tender perennials, you really should wait until the soil temperature is 50 to 55 degrees. And around here, like last year, actually the last two years, that was probably around June. <laughs> yeah, almost June. <laughs> um, we used to always say mid-May, but lately that's been kind of wishful thinking. But um, the best thing to do is actually, there are some sites online where you can check what the soil temperatures in your area are. MSU. MSU, yeah. the. Right, yeah, there's, they, MSU has a um, weather station in Freeland, I think, is the cl no, closest one to us. As far as I know, I think there's one in Gladwin maybe also, or someplace north of us. But, um, yeah, but they, um, they do keep track of, you know, what the heat's, what, what, how much water we've gotten every day, what the, how, how warm it's been, what the soil temperatures are at two inches below ground and four inches below ground. Um, so, you know, you can check and get a pretty good idea. Or you can just take a thermometer outside, dig a hole about six inches deep, put it in there for an hour, and then go come back and check it. <laughs> yeah, or just wait until, yeah. <laughs> yeah, usually Memorial Day, you're pretty safe. <laughs> so, um, and with dahlias, um, you know, if you haven't stored them in a pot or if you don't want to keep them in a pot, if you're going to, you know, if you've got them and you want to put them outdoors, um, we actually dig a hole or a trough about four to six inches deep. You just plant them, you know, you plant them just on their side like that. You know, if you can see where the bud is, have that pointing up. If you can't, it'll find its way to the sun anyway, <laughs> some one way or another. And then we just, you know, cover it up with dirt. And um, with dahlias in particular, they should really be spaced about 18 to 24 inches apart because they will get, you know, most dahlias 
there are some that only get a few, you know, one to two feet tall, but the, on average, most dahlias are going to be about three feet tall, and so they can be, you know, 18 inches in diameter. So you do want them. You want to make sure there's room for air circulation around the plants. Yeah, actually, um, and I did. I do have some tubers that you get. You know, if you want to take some home, I have some that you're welcome to have. Um, and right now, you could. What I'd suggest, you could actually start them in pots. Um, you know, this I, I just bought some. It's actually seed starting medium, but any any decent potting soil would work. And just uh, you know. It depends on, if you want to keep them in a pot, I would plant them a little deeper. But if you're going to just plant them outside, you just want to get them started, you can just put them in and cover, just, just cover them with soil so that you can still kind of see the bud. And then water them. You know, if, if, the, if the soil mixture is damp, I wouldn't water them. If it's really dry, this is quite dry, I would water them in a little bit. But don't overwater dahlias. They don't want to have uh, wet feet, as they say. Um, and keep it someplace, you know, once they've been planted, you actually could put them in a sunny window or something like that for a couple of weeks, and you'll start seeing the stalk coming up, and, uh, and then you can plant them out after, after it's warm enough. Um, just, uh, let's see, no, let me go back here. Um, and I actually, I bought these for one thing because I kind of like this variety. But to show you what, what you would get if you're going to, usually when you buy these, you aren't going to get a single dahlia. You, know, you aren't going to get a single tuber like what we, what we would sell. What you're going to get is a small clump. And that's because most of the garden centers, um, they, actually start, they actually propagate them from stem cuttings rather than from dahlias or from tubers. So this is actually probably a stem cutting that was started a year ago. And it's developed this much of a root system since, since then. And you do have to be a little bit careful. Um, if you're going to buy them like this, try to see if you can see what they look like. Um, for one thing, you want to make sure that they have some buds. And these, these actually are pretty good looking. Like both of these do have nice buds. Um, and like this variety. The tubers look a little different. They have smaller, but you know, there again, you can see they have, do have just little bitty buds starting there. You can see you know, this one actually does have some little buds. Yeah, yeah. This one has a few too. And um, with these, I mean, you obviously could just plant the whole clump, or if they have more than one bud, you could actually divide them. <laughs> and get more than you paid for. The one thing you would have to be careful about, I was telling you earlier that when you're dividing them, you have to make sure that the tubers are, that the necks aren't broken. That's what I mean by a broken neck. This right here, that tuber is never going to do anything. It's just, just going to start to rot. That one too. Do you want to cut those off then? Yeah, oh. I would just cut those right off. Um, when you're dividing them and you say you look for an eye, mm -hmm. Yeah. So the eye is here, not anywhere. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be on the old stem, is the where where yeah the that's where the butter's gonna come out. So if I were looking for an eye, I would be looking all along this stem here. But so this can be cut off here. Because there's there's an eye right there. Yeah, there's a bud right there. Right. But this that this tuber broken, yeah that's broken. Connected. And that one actually is broken too. You can see the, the mm -hmm. skin is broken. So yeah, those I would cut right off. Where is, okay, where is a good one? Um, well, let me see here. Well, like the, you know, you can see these are all pretty firm. Okay. Those oh, are I all, see. yeah. The, this one. How limp it is. Yeah, yeah, usually. You okay. know, this one is still pretty, let me get a clippers. I can show you actually. Um, yeah, see, I would cut this one off. And this one, I'm going to obviously have to clean up after myself. <laughs> this one's broken. That one's broken. That one's broken. So, well, that one's broken too. So after I've cleaned this up, you can see this one's broken. But, yeah. 
So if it's firmly attached, you can pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, as long as it isn't cracked along there, you're fine. Okay. So by the time I've cleaned this up, and so, you know, you can see now I've exposed some of these little buds. There isn't nearly as much as you might have thought was there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and this is these are actually pretty good. I've I've bought some on occasions where you'll come, almost every single one of them's broken. So you really do have to be a little bit careful. Um, let me make sure I don't mix these up. But um, yeah, and well, I can show you. Like on this one, like I said, that's broken, that's broken, that's broken, that's broken. That's broken. Oh, that one's broken. So it looks like there's multiple buds. Would you like yeah. Um, actually, this one you probably could. There again, you know, by the time I cle cleared up all the ones that are broken, you don't have a whole lot left. But this one, you actually, you could probably cut it right down the middle there. If I'm really careful. Yeah, and you could easily get two out of that. So. That can be can be helpful, you know. Can be an advantage to have the little clumps, but sometimes you don't get what you think you're getting. <laughs> so you do have to be a little careful. One more question. Uh -huh. I just want to make sure. I sure. Now, on the drawing, I'm looking at the drawing. Mm -hmm. You have to get a piece of the tube with an eye. Yes. Yep. It has to have an eye. Yeah. Absolutely. You and one yeah, like this one. Well, and. For, for you, I would say yes, make sure there's an eye. Mm -hmm. I, I can tell, I mean, I've been doing it long enough, yeah, yeah. said I know that you know, there's a good chance that if I cut it off right here, one of these is probably gonna develop an eye. Oh, I see. But, but I would, so just to be on the safer side. You can't cut it here. No, absolutely not. You would have to, you'd have to cut, yeah, you, you could probably cut these like right here through the stem, uh -huh. and then these might be good and these would be good. But um, yeah, you would not, if you cut it off there, not there. nothing is not ever gonna broke. happen. Okay. Yep. Okay, thank you. Sure. So, not sure how much more I have here, but, oh, and just a little, just, I'll, yeah, we're, it's almost 7.30, so I'll, I'll go through this real quickly here. Um, Dahlia Care, um, if you do want to en enrich your soil, um, you should put in compost or anything like that a good two weeks before you plant, because dahlias really do not, they are not heavy feeders. And um, they can burn pretty easily if you if you um, add manure or anything like that too too close to planting. They prefer low nitrogen fertilizers. They are, like I said, not heavy feeders. So if you're going to get a fertilizer, you're going to want to get something like a zero ten ten if you can get it. Or um, what usually works well is um, fertilizers for vegetables or tomatoes. Um, those are really ideal. Um, like I said, they do not like to be overfed. Um, you really, when you do plant them outdoors, you don't want to water them in. Um, they, what you want them to do is, when you, when you plant this, you really want them to, to, to force them to start sending out feeder roots. And if you water them too much, they will tend to rot and they won't send out those feeder roots. So you really want to wait until the plants are a couple of inches tall before you start watering. And they're like um, most, most tender perennials, dahlias in particular, they, they need about the same as you would water annuals, about an inch a week. Um, containers, if you've got them in a container, of course those dry out more quickly so they might need a little bit more water. So that's almost it. Um, this is, <laughs> there again, if you ever, if you become obsessed with dahlias or any number of other things, it might end up looking like this. This was 1997. Um, Charles actually planted the dahlias in rows going up the hill, um, which was a lot more complicated than it looks <laughs> um, to get those rows straight. And uh, this is just a quick view of, uh, of the hill from, from the top. We, it was um, terraced in 2006, 2007. And this is what it looks like now. And I guess if there are any other questions. Two. Okay. <laughs> sure. Does there come a point when 
<coughs> like that big one with the two stems. Are there too many tubers? Yes. Um, you know, in actually in area, like if you're growing them in pots, I would recommend dividing them at least once every couple of years. Okay. You know, rather than just letting them keep growing, because they will tend to kind of the um, old tubers in the middle will kind of start rotting out. In places like um, in, you know, s south of Zone 8, like the Carolinas and, you know, some t in the southern areas, um, they leave them in the ground year-round. But there again, they need to dig them up every couple of years because they'll start getting, they'll start failing after a few years because they do get really too root-bound and some of the inner, inner um, tubers start rotting and that kind of thing. <laughs> and, I, and I'm forgetting, I'm supposed to, um, Repeat the question: Are there early, uh, early, middle, and late dahlia bloomers? And they actually have a really good catalog that tells you um, if a variety is an early blooming or a later blooming. It's called Swan, Swan Island. And most of the ones that we grow are actually early blooming ones, um, which is one reason why we don't have as many of the really, really big ones because those tend to bloom later. There are a few varieties that bloom fairly early, but we, we have a couple of varieties at Dahlia Hill that there are years where we get, you know, early frost and they'll still, everything will still be in bud. They wouldn't have even bloomed yet. So we tend to, when we order them, we get almost all early, early blooming varieties. When you say Okay, there are a number of different ways that you can propagate dahlias. You actually, you can take the seeds from them in the, you know, if you um, let the flowers go to seed. Um, you can take the seeds and, and plant them and get dahlias from that. They won't look anything like the parent <laughs> because of the genetics of dahlias, but you can, you can propagate them by seed. You can also, you know, we're, we're basically cloning them by um, propagating them by tubers, but you can also say you wanted to propagate this one by a stem cutting. What you could do is cut this new stem off and you do it right under one of the nodes, dip it in some uh, rooting, yeah, rooting medium, and then put that in a seed starter, and it will, start, it will start putting out new roots, and eventually it will grow. Does it have to be a new stem like that, or can it be off of a mature plant? In theory, it could come off of a mature plant, and I have on a few occasions at Dahlia Hill, like a stem has broken off down by the root and it's still got a little bit of the root and, and those I have been able to get them to start rooting. So, but it's, it's pretty rare. You'd have to have specialized equipment to, be, to do that consistently. Okay. But that's how, that's actually how, how a lot of people do pro propagate them. And there are some varieties that propagate better from stem cuttings than from root from tuber cuttings. If you took that stem and you propagated it, would it put out another stem to grow this year? No, no, this one would just grow up into a stalk and flower, and then it would produce roots. It would, it would grow more roots underground. So then that tuber would be viable? Oh, no, this tuber will send out new, 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 oh, new stems. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, actually, um, you know, like Swan Island dahlias, some of their new varieties that they create, that they, you know, people are constantly growing new varieties. Some of those are cost $25 to $30 for one tuber. And what a lot of people will do is they'll buy one tuber and then they'll take stem cuttings from it. You can get four or five stem cuttings from one tuber before it'll really start, before it won't produce any more stems. No, actually, when you're doing stem cuttings, and I, I've only done this in a very small scale. I've only done it on a small scale, but when I've done it, I actually cut it just below one of the, the nodes here. Yeah. So there's still some stem attached to the tuber. Yeah. Okay. Um, you, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you, you probably could take it down a little bit too, but, but then... I was just watching my little British Yeah. Yeah. And yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably. I don't think they do very well in water. Okay. Well, um, the yeah. Too, right. So no. Um, dahlias. Dahlias. You would have to. You do have to let them dry a little bit. You want that cut end to callus a little oh, bit. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, within 
probably a couple of hours after cutting it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or, or a succulent or something where you want it to, to callus off. But that is another way to propagate them. So, any other questions? <laughs> um, so yeah, like I said, I do have a few dahlia tubers that I brought along that you're welcome to take home. Um, I, I would recommend, you know, like we said, storing them someplace where it's a little dry and, and you know, fairly dark for right now, um, and then bring them out maybe in a couple of weeks, or just put them, put them in pots and water them and keep them in somewhere sunny. You can go ahead and do it in the pot. Yeah, yep. And keep that? That I would, I would put somewhere pretty sunny. Um, if it's in a pot and you want it to start, I would, I'd put it in a sunnier spot, somewhere where it's going to get plenty of light. So if, we, and if, if we did that, and we happened mm -hmm. to get it, Well, you wouldn't. You don't want to put it outside yet. You would want to keep it just somewhere sunny in, inside. yeah, sunny indoors, someplace, someplace yeah. where it isn't going to freeze. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure your plant light is low. It's not because if it's if it's the plant light's too high, it's going to reach for it. Yeah. And 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 that is one thing too. If you if it, you know for some reason it isn't getting enough light and you start and you get really leggy long, just cut those off and it'll it'll put up new shoots. Okay. <laughs> Um, that's one thing about dahlias, they're pretty forgiving. Um, this is actually the dahlia that I have. Um, it's called Chaz. It's kind of a, it's actually, this, is, this looks orange, but it's actually more of what they call a bronze. It's kind of a dark yellow. And each petal is ringed. You can't really see it too well, but it has a little red ring around each petal. Um, it's about this big. Um, very pretty. Um, yeah. No, that is Chaz. <laughs> so I guess that's that's about it, and we did did fairly well on time. So, and um, I do have some. I think you all got the handouts already. If anybody's interested in being a volunteer, we always welcome volunteers, and volunteers do get free tubers in the spring, and they do get to pick a few flowers in the fall. This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website cityofmidlandmi.gov MCTV. We hope you enjoy the following presentation.